Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the December edition of my 2017 One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program podcast series, where each month I take a deep dive into a specific part of a best practices compliance program. In the month of December, I'm taking a deep dive into better written standards, which form the very backbone of your compliance program. Written standards include codes of conduct, policies, and procedures, and we're going to be taking a very deep dive into the design of all of these training and revising and updating. We'll also take a look at the information communicated by the Department of Justice on what specific policies should be included in your best practices compliance program, including policies on gifts, travel, business entertainment, charitable donations, facilitation payments, third parties, and cybersecurity. We'll also take a look at certain enforcement actions and opinion releases to see what other information we can glean from these. My sponsor this month is my Doing Compliance Masterclass. We recently concluded the first Masterclass in November 2017. I'm co-hosting this with Jonathan Marks at Markham LLC. We will be putting on a full series of classes in 2018. Check back for details. This month's podcast series will give you information which will allow you to set up the very foundation of your compliance program. My podcast series on one month to a more effective compliance program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 18, policies on facilitation payments. What does the Department of Justice look like when it reviews a company's compliance program with regard to facilitation payment? Initially, it looks to see if there is a pattern of such payments, as it would, which would raise a red flag and cause additional investigation. But that's not the end of the inquiry. There are several other factors at that DOJ would look at, which I think lends lends a, to an analysis of what should go into your policy around facilitation payment. Number one, is there a size or size of the payment? I should say. Is there an outer limit? If there's no outer limit, but there's some line which the perception shifts. If a facilitation payment is over 100, you are arguing for a relatively low amount. But if that amount is now 1,000, you may be arguing from a position of weakness. There may be a presumption against you, and it may be difficult to persuade the government anything over this amount is legitimate, and it certainly could lead to further inquiries. So two, what is the routine government action? Have you met the five routine government actions laid out in the FCPA itself? So was this for payment made for obtaining a permit or license? Was it to process a government paper such as a visa or work over, excuse me, work order? Was it to provide police protection, mail pickup, scheduling inspections? Or was it to provide phone service, power, water, supply, loading or unloading cargo, or an action of a similar nature? So this is a key question. Three. Does the seniority of the government official matter? This is significant because it changes the perception of whether something is truly discretionary. 
the higher level of government official is involved, the greater chance his or her decision is discretionary. Four, does the action have to be non-discretionary? Well, yes, it does. Uh, because if, if it's not, if it's discretionary, rather, the payment will be, appear to be obtaining some advantage not available to others. What approvals are required? A facilitation payment should be something that's made with an appropriate process. This means that you have a process which lays out above at a facilitation payment above a certain level that has to have pre-approval. This uh, allows your experts within the company to make an analysis, but also documents your process. Of course, if a facilitation payment is made at a level below the threshold, it still has to be properly recorded. What about the risk of facilitation payments in third parties? Well, whatever policy you have, it must be carried over to third parties acting on your behalf or at your direction. A third party cannot control this issue, and if a third party cannot control this issue, the better compliance practice would be to end the business relationship. Next, how should the facilitation payment be recorded? Well, they must be recorded accurately. I'd suggest you have a category entitled facilitation payment in your company's internal accounting systems. This labeling should be quite clear and they are critical to any audit trail. So recording them is quite significant. And then finally, what about monitoring? Well, there must be ongoing monitoring programs to review your company's internal controls, policies, and procedures regarding facilitation payments. When do grease payments become a bribe? Well, as it's been made clear, hopefully by now, there's no clear line. The test seems to turn on the amount of money involved to whom it's paid and the frequency of the payments. Do Walmart's alleged payments to speed up <coughs> the process of uh, land use and zoning qualify as facilita facilitation payment, or does an aggregate spend of over $24 million to obtain these payments mean something else? Additionally, recording the payments on your books and records is an absolute must. At this point, if it's not apparent whether Walmart accurately recorded these. So if Walmart believed they were facilitation payments when they were made, why didn't they? So that's going to be a key inquiry from the government, and it's mandatory that you have that in your policy. Also remember that the defense of the facilitation payment is an exemption to the FCPA. Any defendant which wishes to avail itself of this exemption at trial would have to put on credible evidence to support its position. But at the end of the day, it's the trier fact which decides. This means you have to try to convince a jury that your payment, which clearly was a bribe, was non-discretionary and met the four requirements under, excuse me, the five requirements as exemptions. So what are today's three key takeaways about what you should have in your policy? Well, remember, there's no bright line threshold or demarcation. So you have to consider what was the amount of the payment, but that's not where the end of the inquiry goes. So we've had uh, one enforcement action where it had his payment as low as $2,000 was uh, deemed to be a violation, but there you had corrupt intent. Non-discretionary didn't meet the routine uh, standards or routine, routine government actions. 
which leads to number two, was the action truly routine? Here you have to look at the benefit you received. Uh, if it's going through customs uh, with your visa and shot card with you, it's certainly one thing. But if it's to change a zoning requirement or change a licensing requirement, that may be quite another. Also, who's the person the payment was made to? The more lower level of functionary, it actually turns out that's more indicia than it truly was a facilitation payment. And then finally, and we've said this many, many times, and if you've ever heard me, you know what I'm about to say. It's document, document, document. And here it's absolutely critical that you document, document, document your facilitation payments. You must document them properly in your books and records. You must document your, your procedure has been followed, and you must document it throughout the entire process. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day 18 of one month, the Better Written Standards. And I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day 19. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to Better Written Standards and a Compliance Program. I hope you'll join me tomorrow for another episode. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would ask that you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only daily podcast, which will give you a hint or tip to improve your compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. I hope you'll join me tomorrow. My podcast series of one month to a better compliance program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.